Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. On the 12th day of podcast, Todd prepared to wear 12 leather jackets, 11 heavy hoodies, 10 lighter sweaters, 9 festive polos, 8 cozy zip-ups, 7 fancy vests, 6 fancier vests, 5 graphic tees, 4 pairs of jorts, 3 cargos, 2 fuzzy socks, and 2 Santa hats to cover each name. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Podcast. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And joining us today is... Rachel Scanlon. Todd introduced her like she was Todd's friend, but she's Paige's friend. So Paige, introduce (laughs) her. (laughs) I would would like to say that I think we've become fast friends, Mikey. Rude. (laughs) But mm. yes, Paige brought yes. you on the podcast. Uh, Rachel's a hilarious comic, one of my favorite people on earth. Was at my wedding. Oh, hell yeah! Nice. So oh. you got an invite. I was wondering who got those. Uh, oh yeah, I slid in there. We had a great time. At your wedding was my favorite wedding. It's Aww. it's pretty solid. It's because my family's great, unlike the family in this movie. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a lot of requests in the Facebook group and on social media to do this movie because it came out this year. The movie being Happiest Season. Yes, I assume because you clicked on the link. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, oh. the three of us are painfully straight. And so we didn't feel fully qualified <laughs> yeah. to discuss this movie at length. So, Rachel, thank you for agreeing to be our our expert. Of course, I am painfully gay and I am very (laughs) glad to be here. I I love to be your gay person. And this movie is really so I actually I podcasted about this episode for two dykes and a mic. And I realized that I've only talked about this movie with lesbians or queer women. Oh, interesting. Okay. I am very interested to hear what straight people thought of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're about to for about two hours. This is <laughs> so let's talk first impressions then. So I just saw it for the first time today. Mikey, I think you had the same experience. Nope. I've seen it before. Oh, you saw it before. When, when did you first see it, Mikey? Yeah, uh, I'll tell I'll tell my little story. So my brother <laughs> came out last May. Yeah. My mom was super excited to be like, I'm so excited to watch a gay Christmas movie with your brother <laughs> when he comes in for Thanksgiving. And so we all sat down as a family and watched it. It was actually a really sweet moment, I think, because he didn't get to spend a lot of time with us last Christmas because of work. But it was really nice to sit down and and watch a movie like that. You know, content aside of the movie. <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> it was really sweet to see my mom like really get into it and, and yeah. try to make him feel included. And I and I really it was a good moment for our family. How old uh, is your brother now? He is 30. Wow. And he came out as a gay man. Yes. That's incredible. That's pretty late for. I kind of pretty much knew, but like he had not come out to our family. 
Wow. Incredible. I think for me, it made me cry a lot because I really didn't like the way that they treated Kristen Stewart's character through the whole movie and it was making me sad. I'm kind of torn because I did have a good time watching this movie and I do think it's well acted. It's not badly written. It's purely a content issue for me, but I was a little frustrated that like there was a lot of fanfare about this movie being the first lesbian like Hallmark Christmas movie, quote unquote, as far as representation goes. But they spend most of this movie forcing them to pretend to be straight. And I was like, can we just get a gay movie of gay people being gay the way that they are normally? And then that got me thinking more about like, why are all of our LGBTQ stories centered around coming out? Where like that's a super important part of every person's life. But at the same time, that's not the only important thing about these people's lives. And I feel like we need more stories that are not that. That are just people who have come out and are just living their lives because they have love stories too. And so I was a little torn where I was like, I'm glad that this opens the door for more things. And I don't think it's a poorly made movie. There are parts of it that I really enjoyed but the content bugged me a bit. I don't know. The kind of short-sightedness of it, I guess, kind of bugged me a bit. So, Rachel, this is why I'm glad you're on. Because here here was my question watching this. Because I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, so she, Kristen Stewart's character, is obviously getting treated just terrible. Oh, and this yeah. relationship is just terrible. And they're making yeah. so bad decisions. And I was like... So it's kind of like a straight rom-com where like a male or female will <laughs> yeah, do like absolutely terrible things, things to the other person. Yeah. And then they'll end up together at the end. And I was like, is that what it's supposed to be like? Is that like a statement on rom-coms or like, <laughs> I don't know how to take this anymore. Yeah. I mean, the thing about most lesbian movies is that they are almost always either a bond rom, which is like a period piece or somebody drops a glove and they're like speaking old English and they're like. <laughs> you know, lighting candles and banging pretty quietly. Yeah. Or they are these like trom drums, which is a trauma drama where it is very dramatic that they're in love with their professor. They're in love with somebody who's married. They have a freakishly large age gap. And yeah. then the, the story is this like very dramatic romance. And then somebody comes out and then somebody usually dies. So what's weird about this movie is that they almost did neither yeah. Because we didn't, we started the movie and they were already at the point in their relationship where one of them wants to propose to the other one. Yeah. So we don't get to watch them fall in love, which is one of the yeah. best parts of a mm-hmm. rom com is this yeah. like fumbly love story with these like little bits of comedy. So we already start at that. So then we're like, okay, if we're not going to see the romance, then let's see the comedy of errors, right? We have somebody who meet somebody's wacky family and this has been done in straight movies for years Mm -hmm. and it's a very fun very simple concept but then we didn't get to see that because then it turned into about being closeted and that is actually like a pretty heavy subject to be done in this context when we're being told the whole time all of the hype of the movie is you guys better buckle up because it is the first lesbian light-hearted rom-com christmas movie and to be delivered something that was like pretty painful to watch right we're seeing kristen stewart gets treated like unforgivably (laughs) it is meet the parents level torture in this movie for her for no good reason because like yeah literally this is just the most unwelcoming family on earth fucking crazy bonkers the way they treat her and that's not even including the fact that she is having to pretend to be straight for a week like 
on top of that, they're torturing her. Which I almost was, as like a comedian, I'm thinking to myself, if the comedy is that we have somebody who is so obviously gay, who who looks gay, talks gay, sounds gay, couldn't possibly pass as straight, and then that person has to pass as like straight I'm like okay that could be comedic like that's funny right we've seen it that could be like the audience is in on the joke that this character Mm -hmm. is just so flamboyantly gay I mean Dan Levy does that later in the movie like that's that's in this movie it could have been the whole thing right I would have loved that but they didn't it was basically like watching Kristen Stewart try to like half be straight with like her hair pinned back. Like I was like, I'm not sure she's still wearing a blazer. Yeah, was I was like, about to say she's got too many blazers to even pull it off. Like it's. I know it was very strange. The amount of blazers was her hair was like very greasy. But I'm like, is that the joke? I don't know. And like, if we want to watch her fumble through being a straight person, we could all watch Twilight again. Which <laughs> <laughs> we did a couple weeks ago too. Yeah. Oh my god, I love, I love it. I just love watched. Clips today with my girlfriend. Oh man, <laughs> I see they haven't seen any of the other ones. I cannot wait to show them New Moon. New Moon oh is my fucking hilarious, bonkers. So not to repurpose us back away from Twilight into this movie. <laughs> I feel like there was a draft of the script where it was like we're gonna a lesbian couple comes home to meet this like ridiculously goofy family because they all have like really over the top elements. Yeah, but then they're like, let's rewrite it to be like emotional abuse with a goofy family in the background. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think that there's a lot going on, but it pulls focus from the biggest villain of all of this movie, which is by far Harper. I mean, we have an emotionally abusive psychopath who has like traumatized (laughs) Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, how dare she? That I think is the hardest thing to get over is that we have this like bombshell Mackenzie or what's it, Mackenzie Davis, right? Yeah, Mackenzie yeah. Davis, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who is, a, by the way, a heterosexual. Yeah. So she. Uh, so is, is, uh, I mean, well, I think Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza is bi, and okay, she's been yeah. openly bi before the movie. Uh, Mackenzie Davis like jumped onto the lesbian scene in San Junipero, which was that Black yeah. Mirror episode where she plays uh, this like beautiful lesbian couple. It's amazing stuff, and then she sticks around and does Terminator, which is like the most queer energy like yeah. female that we can have yeah. in action movies mm-hmm. and then she follows it up with the like the first lesbian you know christmas movie and i'm looking it up and i'm like wait a second she's straight and then she's this villain i mean it's unforgivable the way she <laughs> acts is like bananas you call her the villain i agree but i don't think the movie thinks she is the villain that's my biggest problem with it is because the movie i feel like the movie thinks they absolve her at the end and i'm like no no just because you reveal yourself to be a stalker who is tracking your ex-girlfriend that does not make you a hero in this movie no 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 Paige, to sort of dovetail off of a point you made if this is the first foray into a lesbian romantic comedy, it's a decent one. I do think we'll get a lot better ones because this opened the door to it. And that's great. I think they could have done a better job with it. With my family, this was a double feature with the Hallmark movie that also featured a gay couple. This was the much better film. Yeah. Well, I think all of you were ignoring the one that came out last Christmas as part of Dolly Parton's series of Hallmark films. Yeah. Where, she does everything Have better. you seen that one? Yes, we reviewed it. 
Yes. Okay. Where it's a super Republican family and the son is dating the mom's personal assistant and I didn't see that one. Makes everyone happy and solves all the problems by I think getting shot and then inviting Dolly Parton to the wedding. It's a you know. A- oh, I did see that one. <laughs> <laughs> We should do that one. We should do that one at some point. (laughs) We should do. That one is so bonkers. (laughs) I think the thing that this movie has going for it, the one thing is that I feel like it's not just a Hallmark movie. People took this movie seriously. You could have seen this in a theater and it wouldn't have felt out of place. No, it's way better than Hallmark. Yeah. And I think, you know, if this wasn't pandemic central, maybe we would have seen this in a theater. Yeah. My frustration is just that they're so mean to Kristen Stewart, this whole movie. It bothered me the whole time where multiple points when when uh, Dan Levy's like, run, get your stuff. I'm like, get your stuff. Let's go. Okay. I don't want to like be an apologist, but if I thought that my brother brought home someone who got arrested for shoplifting, I probably wouldn't be nice to them. I mean... Sure. Uh, I I do like that the kids come clean later. Yeah. But uh, but I hated her mom insinuating that she stole her brooch. I was like, (laughs) for me, there were one too many things that they... They piled on. I think when we have it, like, if this movie had these, like, super funny jokes in it and made me, like, really laugh, I would probably let go of like the ending, which was unacceptable. Yeah. yeah. And like the lack of like any real black representation in this movie. And like the yes. stri- the lead being a straight actress in 2020. It's like, you know, I, I would have possibly been like, you know what? Fuck it. I laughed. So who cares? But because right. instead, after I watched this movie, I was like, oh, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad. And I do feel like a lot of lesbians know exactly what it feels like to fall in love with their best friend in high school and to be found out and have your best friend say, nope, she's a pervert. Like that's, that is actually like, she throws her under the bus. So bad. She does it bad in that. That is such like it actual, like traumatizing experience for so many lesbian women that in the end for her to still be picked as like, you're my partner and no one really, Rose, you know, she does it again when she's outed by her sister at the climax yeah. of the movie. For Kristen Stewart to still pick Harper over Riley for a lot of lesbians. I was shipping like Riley so hard. I wanted her and <laughs> Riley to end up together because I was like, clearly they get along. There's a commonality. She feels more comfortable with her. And Riley figures it out early on and tactfully handles it. And they really set it up as if she's going to end up with Riley. And then it just doesn't happen. I honestly think if they would have made it so that she picks Riley, I think I would have come around to this movie. And I think I would have been like for it because that also Mm -hmm. is like, that's the most true to form as well, by the way. If like the, if Kristen Stewart picked Riley, and then they all stayed friends and they've all had fucked each other. That's a fucking queer love story right there. <laughs> that, that, that is uh, from my experience of all of my queer friends. They've all fucked each other pretty much. Yeah. 100%. But yeah, I felt like it, it was gross to feel like she still gets the girl. It's like, ooh. After being such a shitty person, you mean? Yeah, it is. It's really hard. It's unforgivable. The things that she's done and then still the whole movie we watch her be. Hor- when she leaves her girlfriend 
at the bar. Oh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, go. I'll see you at home. It's like, if my girlfriend was like, hey, I'm going to stay here with this guy who's in love with me. And you can go back to like my parents' house without me. And you're in a- Where you don't know anyone. To your separate room. Yeah, because they think that you are a shoplifter. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that's crazy. We've got to get to this fucking movie though. Because we got to talk about all this scene by scene. So uh, we open on the credits, which are basically paintings of- I kind of figured it out as the movie goes along. It's supposed to be what led up to the movie. So like those paintings are their love story, which again, as Rachel said, I kind of wish we could have seen, like I'd be more invested in this relationship if I knew how they met and if I knew why they're in love and why it's so important and why it's worth fighting for. We need a happiest season prequel. Yes. That takes place at Thanksgiving. It could be the hungriest season. As long as it just goes <laughs> into their love story, I'm on board for it. Yeah, it'd be like uh, it'd be like Star Wars. You'd be like, oh, she turns into Harper like Anakin <laughs> turns into Darth Vader. There you go. <laughs> oh, man, that scene where she kills the younglings is just a heartbreak. <laughs> Oof. This is also something that we get that we've had in the last movie we did, or I guess not the last movie, the one right before it, fake Christmas music. This movie has a ton of it where they just can't get the rights to actual Christmas music. And so they play things that are like vaguely Christmassy or instrumentals. I honestly thought at one point we were hearing one of our podcast openings in it. You guys need to watch more Hallmark movies because all I hear is just like sleigh bells jingling throughout the film. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's Christmassy. <laughs> that to say, our podcast opening songs are amazing. They Thank are you amazing. To yes. my sister, Erin. But all I'm saying is she could write music for these movies because the one that's in this movie is just come to Candy Cane Lane with me with like a weird upbeat under it. Yeah, it's weird. But I mean, it makes sense because we open on a neighborhood, which is Candy Cane Lane, and it's a Christmas light house tour a walking tour too which i was like what's that that was bizarre yeah does that happen i've never done that i've always done it in cars welcome to your 12 mile christmas lights house tour right led by michelle buteau yeah i was like she gets one line in this movie what is that about you would also think that if you were on a walking tour of christmas lights they would be a lot better than just half-ass like christmas lights on random houses on this they were just normal lights it was like the only street in the world that does christmas light like that's the world we live in well this is what we get for going to a craigslist christmas lights tour (laughs) (laughs) i will say one of the few really like setup punch jokes in this movie that actually works is when Abby, Kristen Stewart's character, is like, yeah, I'm just not a huge Christmas person. And Harper's like, how can you not like this? How can you not like Christmas? And Michelle Bateau's like one line is basically Christmas trees are responsible for four deaths, 15 injuries and a loss of about 12 million dollars a year from yeah. house fires. And I was like, <laughs> Perfectly timed. Um, but this is where we establish that Abby's going to stay home for Christmas and Harper's going to go see her family. Which I would argue if they were honest with each other and, you know, Mackenzie Davis was just like, hey, I'm not ready to tell my family the whole mayoral race or whatever. I don't think those are great reasons, but they're her reasons and it's her story. She can choose that. If she was honest with Kristen Stewart about it and Kristen Stewart had stayed home, I don't think that their relationship would have been super negatively impacted. Totally agree. This is my biggest beef with the movie is that she doesn't tell her until they're almost all the way there. So like, choosing something different is not a really viable option. She was told in a moving vehicle after they had left their town, (laughs) that part of the movie, because like they have a line where they try to justify it, right? So she says, my family doesn't know. And then Kristen is like, well, why would you ask me to come here? 
And her yeah. only excuse, because the movie is trying to be like, I get what you're thinking. And she right. was like, I just got so swept up in the Christmas spirit last night, which I'm like, if that's true, <laughs> you would have woken up in the morning and been like, actually, my whole family died of something and you can't come over. Like you wouldn't still follow through with bringing or, her home. Or just been honest with her that next morning. I think I'm going to use, uh, I got too swept up in the Christmas spirit as a breakup line. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Yes. I, I think they try to give us that with this scene right after this. So what happens is they go and kiss on a roof. The people in the house find out. They fall down. They run and they kiss in an alley. And that's where she asks her to come home at Christmas. When you say the people kiss, what you mean is the reindeer and the dominatrix that we see. Yes. Yeah. It's a Christmas dominatrix in the house that where they were on the roof. <laughs> and we get just a flash of it. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, was that was my funny. favorite part of the movie. <laughs> and it was short. It was too short. <laughs> yeah, I wanted their story. I want a prequel that is just that couple's story. We could call it hunting season. And it's all about those two people finding each other. Yeah, um, that's the queer love story that America needs. True. Hey, and we need to normalize furries. I am on yes. board for Wait. this. I think we've gone too far. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so after the the night of the Christmas dominatrix, the next morning, <laughs> Abby's eating <laughs> breakfast, and Harper gets up, and Abby is basically like, "Hey, I know I seemed kind of noncommittal, but I'm actually really, really excited. I'm excited to meet your family. I'm excited to do the Christmas thing. It's going to be great." And then Harper kind of tries to backpedal and is just like well, what about the pets that you're watching? And, you know, maybe you, you don't have to come. Like, you could just stay home. Instead of just telling her the truth. Yeah. Because if she had told her the truth, exactly. then Ugh. that's the right time. Yeah, that's the right time. Exactly. You're picking on stuff I didn't even pick up on. So she's, like, terrible from, like, minute two. Yeah, she's from Jump Street. She's terrible from minute two. Yeah. It's really stressful. I think they could have still had the exact same movie with Kristen Stewart's character knowing then yeah. it would have been less of this like shitting on our poor lead character and yes. have them be a team because you can be closeted and be in a relationship that everyone knows about it coming out can be like a process that takes time with your family and it's like yeah. maybe this time you know you're not fully gonna like hold my hand and kiss it for my family like it could have I think we could have still done the whole movie with Kristen knowing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I can't tell you how many of my friends have done this where they just know going into it that somebody's not out. But that's information that you need before you make the decision to go. Because having to be closeted for a week, that's something that somebody has to consider and truly make that decision. And this is sprung on Kristen Stewart when they're already almost there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really crazy to have her not know it because there's like different levels of being out in a relationship yeah. you know sometimes you have to keep coming out over and over again you come out one year and then your mom's cool with it and then you come out the next year and you're like my uncle is still racist so just keep you know like yeah there's ways that it seemed very unbelievable yeah that you would get to the point of that level of, of a this romantic relationship and then still not tell her until you're in the car. I'm like, yeah, yeah. they've been together a year. I mean, at least a year that we know of. Because not every queer person, it's safe and okay for them to come out. A lot of people come from different yeah. religious, yeah. cultural backgrounds. True. But that being said, you can't, without your partner's consent, force them to be closeted again for a week. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yeah. That needs to be a conversation. So what you're saying is what Mackenzie Davis does is bad. 
Oh yeah. boy. Oh boy. A real Grinch move in this Ooh. Christmas movie. <laughs> well, and we'll get to it when we get to their conversation in the car. But there's also something else that she says in that scene that just rams at home how manipulative and terrible she is. Yeah. But we find out that Dan Levy's going to watch the pets if they survive. He steals every scene he's in in this God, movie, though. He's, he's amazing. Over. I mean, I knew he was going to be amazing in this because I've seen Shit's Creek, but I really feel like he kicked it up a notch in this movie. He's so I, good. I do, too. He's so good in this movie. And I think his conversations with Abby are great. Oh, shit, Like, those yeah. are some of my favorite parts of the movie because I feel like, aside from the very end, he gives her really solid advice pretty much the entire movie and it's one of those shining moments where i'm like someone working on this movie understands why this is shitty and that's why dan levy is here but it still didn't solve the whole movie but this is also where we find out that he manages authors which is going to come into play later they then go to a super <laughs> fancy store where abby's picking something up and it's a ring and a very nice ring. I like that ring a lot. Sure. It's a fine, very rectangular cut ring or whatever. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Whatever. If it's not round, it's nothing. Oh, bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Mine is rectangular. <laughs> hey, Todd, what kind of ring did you get, Natalie? <clears throat> I got her a house. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You know what a house is? It's a fucking rectangle. <laughs> Oh, Mikey wins that one. Power of debate, debate rules, Mikey wins. <laughs> Whoever has the biggest laugh wins the debate. Yeah. We actually did have the conversation of, do you want a ring or a house first? We actually had that conversation. So I don't feel bad about it. But I do love Dan Levy's response to seeing the ring. Because it's just, oh, no. it's the funniest part of the movie to me. Well, of course it's the funniest part of the movie for you, Mikey. Because that's no. how you would react. <laughs> no, no. When when she, when Christian Stewart, when Abby goes, I'm going to ask her father's permission. And he was like, way to stick it to the patriarchy. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I did really love that. And I love that he's given her shit about that, like almost the whole movie. Yeah. Anyway, but he's like, you're not in the right spot for this kind of commitment. Here's the thing. I'm going to say, I don't think these people should be getting married. A hundred percent. But I also fully understand somebody wanting to get married, even if it is a heteronormative, you know, institution. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because I think there's a part of you that's like, I deserve that. I deserve what other people have. Yeah. I want to have that happiness. I want to have that legitimacy. I don't think anyone's thinking gay people shouldn't get married, Paige. No, I know. I'm oh, just... okay. I was like, I live in Nashville, but Nashville is not like that. No, no, no. I, I'm just saying I understand why she would in, in a perfect world where Harper's not the devil. I understand somebody wanting to get married, even though the history of marriage as an institution is questionable. Basically, Paige is saying it's OK to commit to someone if you're in love with them. If that's yes, what that's you what want. I'm saying. And Mikey, yeah. I know you have trouble with that. I mean, I don't see the purpose, but whatever. <laughs> I do want to take this time to point out that Mikey is single, ladies. You didn't get I mean, to go yeah. to my wedding, so you don't know what true love is, and that's <laughs> not your fault. You would have seen it at Paige's wedding. It was cool. I know. I know. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just cynicism reflected outward. <laughs> anyway, but this is where we hear that her plan was originally to ask on New Year's, but now that she's going home with her for Christmas, she was going to ask on Christmas morning. Yeah. So we cut to 
them driving home and Harper is clearly, clearly nervous. And this is when we find out that she's not out to her parents and that she previously told Kristen Stewart that she was out. Because she starts that conversation with, hey, remember that time I told you that I was out to my parents and they were like super loving and accepting? All of that was a lie. I'm a sociopath and you should run. Lock the doors. (laughs) You would have just said that we never talked about it. And I, I let you assume, but in reality, I'm not out. But we even made her a liar again. Yeah, yeah, again. But here's where it's going to get even worse because they <laughs> stop the car and they're talking it out. And she's now like, hey, dad's running for mayor. So Christmas is a big deal. And this is where we get the why did you invite me? Oh, spur in the moment. And she follows it up with, I wanted to give you a great Christmas. But essentially, you have to pretend to be a straight roommate orphan. And this is a chance to like lay groundwork. But then she says, I'm asking a lot of you. You don't have to. And then Kristen Stewart says, yeah, no, thanks. She actually says no in the car and is like, I'll go home. And then she Harper talks her back into it. Like that's what drove because I was like, she has every right to go home and to say no. I don't blame her. I think she should. And here's the thing. I think their relationship could have survived that. Yeah, me too. Because, hey, it happens. Not everyone can be out. And sometimes that means that family situations can be difficult. But that's why you have to give somebody the choice as to whether or not they want to be there. Right. And the fact that she's like, no, please come. Come be my straight roommate. And then she agrees to go because she's like, I'm doing this because I love you and I want to be there for you. But I would argue that Harper's not there for her. No. And that's what really bothers me. She's never there for her. Is that like Abby is giving everything and it is not being reciprocated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Harper is a toxic serpent. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, but sociopaths are good about getting their way, and she does. Yeah. I have a less serious question. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine you would have a less serious question. <laughs> so were Kristen Stewart's parents really dead, or was that like a joke? <laughs> no, they're dead. <laughs> okay. They died when she was 19, and it becomes a plot point later. But Why like, did you think it was a prank? Well, okay, well, no, I didn't think it was a prank. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know the timeline of when she's talking with Dan Levy at the yeah. end of like if they were still alive, and like she just lied to her parents about Harper, I mean, uh, Abby's family being dead. No. But uh, I didn't know that they died after she came out. It didn't make it super clear or i wasn't paying enough attention that's true we don't establish till the very end that her parents died after she came out because it's very possible that her parents could have died before and she would have never had to go through that particular version of coming out although she would have probably had to come out to other people so you know she still had to do it so i was like oh her parents just go to her parents house because i was like for a second i was like oh because that was a lie too because harper lies so much i didn't know what to believe (laughs) that makes sense because she is a serpent (laughs) we get to her parents house where we meet her mom who started an instagram feed for her dad's mayor campaign which my favorite is that she takes every single picture on the ipad it's the most mom thing yes it is on the face of the earth (laughs) (laughs) taking pictures with an ipad and then she tells harper you look beautiful did you bring concealer (laughs) which is wild this is one of those things i don't understand as a guy like my mom would never say that to me you you put concealer on like black spots and bruises Nope. <laughs> Wrong again. I mean, I guess you can, but that sounds like a very domestic. Should we? Mikey, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I would say you, you can. You can use it for that. More often than not, you put concealer under your eyes to make you look less tired. Mm-hmm. Or blemishes or yeah. anywhere. I put it on a black eye once. My mm. own black eye. Someone else put it on my own black eye. 
I'm just picturing you punching somebody and then just doing their makeup to cover it up. <laughs> I just want to practice. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, if you have a black eye, you should actually be color correcting instead. So instead of concealer, you would use like orange and then powder and then a mm. layer of concealer and then foundation over that. That was hot. Welcome back to Paige's makeup tips. Really hot. Paige used to do a lot of zombie makeup. And so Paige <laughs> has cool. tricks up her sleeve. So this is where she introduces Abby to her mom. And literally every single person that meets Abby is like, Oh, you're an orphan. You're so brave. Oh my God. The orphan friend. Yeah. yeah. It is so wild. This is also where we meet Jane, the youngest sister, who, by the way, I want a movie of just Jane. Yeah, she's I the best. I want Jane's movie. <laughs> Mary Holland, who was the co-writer of this movie, plays Jane, and she oh. was the funniest part of this movie. Yes. I mean, the only, the only, for me, the only really like, steady comedic relief yes. throughout this movie where i'm like that's really fucking funny everything yeah. that, i mean she's like a genius <laughs> if you've seen her in la she performs a lot and she's like always been funny but i was like thank god she's having this part of this movie but i wanted as like a selfish comedian dyke for the funniest one to be one of the gay ones i'm like i know <laughs> you're like ah. Well, and here, there's no shortage of funny gay people. Well, that's right. what boggles my mind is I'm like, we've got straight people playing gay people. And then we have gay people playing gay people, but none of them are funny. And funny gay people <laughs> exist. And then the gay people pretending to be straight people for the entire movie. So it yes. is very confusing. Which should, as far as this movie's, you know, like philosophy or casting, make them funnier. <laughs> no i'm kidding uh but her sister yeah her sister jane is my favorite part of the movie and Just a great like, artist a great artist because i actually like that painting but my favorite is the clips we hear of her book yeah and oh like as God, she's talking yes. to people and the fact that her family basically treats her like a handyman <laughs> And <laughs> or an IT expert. Yeah. Her dad even says when he's introducing her daughters, like this one was about to be a partner at her firm until she gave it all up to be a mom. This one's our like awesome smart kid. And this one is the only reason the internet works at home. <laughs> that's how he introduces his daughters i i make fun of my dad because anytime he's talking about my sister or i he has to clarify which one and my sister and i are very close but very different people one time when introducing my sister they were like oh are you the comedian and he said no she's the one who owns a house <laughs> <laughs> and i know that he meant it just because he'd been working on her house and like so that's what he had talked to that person about but i just thought it was hysterical that that was a way to differentiate because a comedian could never own a house yes god it's genius um, i feel like that happened god. my parents send out christmas cards where they, i also have a sister named aaron Yes. And it'll be like, Erin just got her PhD, has been published again, and is teaching physics at university. Rachel runs an open mic at a bar. <laughs> <sighs> Sucks. So you're both doing great, is what you're saying. <laughs> hey, I hey, I bought Christmas presents with podcast money this year, so we are doing great. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> It's weird, right? To make money off podcasts. It's super strange. Uh, so Victor Garber is playing her dad. You may have seen him in other such films as the creepy professor in Legally Blonde or the lead in the movie version of Godspell. Her dad has been in so much other stuff. 
he was yeah. an alias, and he's in a lot of Hallmark movies. <laughs> Glad to hear his career is going great. He's got uh, a West Wing vibe to me. Yeah, he yeah. looks like he has been written and produced by Aaron Sorkin. He yes. also he also was on the show Arrow, and he had fire powers. I'm confused by what you watch. Oh man, I you're <laughs> you're an insane person. But he does a lot of TV. He's not often seen in a lot of movies, and I think yeah. he does a pretty good job in this. Yeah, we get a little bit of an interaction with him where Abby tells him that she liked the speech that he made at the food bank on Thanksgiving. Then they tour Sloane's room, who we haven't met yet, but it's literally just all trophies. And this is where we hear the story from her mom that she gave it all up to raise twins and now they make gift baskets. And the only thing funnier <laughs> to me than Jane in this movie is the description of the gift baskets. The few times we get it in the film. <laughs> The reclaimed wood containers. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 The 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 curated <laughs> gift experiences in the reclaimed wood vessels, I believe, is what she calls it. I do think it's shitty the way her parents and her family talks about her career because she left yeah. like her and her husband, who's about to be her ex husband. We find out that's how they make their living. They're doing a good job of whatever the fuck it is they do, but they're making a <laughs> living at it. Stop giving me shit. Like, if I'm ever able to do podcasting full time, I don't want my mom to treat it like, yeah, he talks into a mic and like, well, I guess people like pay him. It's whatever. It's dumb. But it is. <laughs> we find out that they're featured in Goop, which means yeah. like they're the top tier of curated gifting experiences and reclaimed wood vessels. So mm. like they're doing amazing and the whole thing of like, well, she could have been a lawyer, but instead she had kids. It's like, don't you love your grandkids? And also the life of a lawyer is so stressful. I can fully understand somebody choosing to either take a break or do something different. Yeah, she found a way to support herself and her family yeah. and have a better work-life balance. And all they do is shit on her for it. Yeah, the entire movie. She's great. Well, she's not. She may not be great, but like her career choice is not her problem. Let's just say that. Right. Yeah. Um, we cut to Harper's room where she has a shrine to Josh Hartnett. Right. Which, Rachel, I have to ask you, just because yeah. I've known you for a long time, so I know roundabouts when you came out. Who was your fake shrine to? Usher. Usher. Oh, Usher. <laughs> Usher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get yeah, it. Chris Burns is cute. He's very cute, and he seems like hairless, so I feel like I could overpower him if need be. So he, was, he was a good pick. I saw his story arc on Law & Order SVU. I, I think you probably could overpower him. Thank you. I have faith in you. You've been working out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> do you know why Josh Hartnett was on the wall? It's, it's because it was her fake crush. Oh, do you know why they used Josh Hartnett is my question. No. So the writer and the director of this movie was in a movie we did for Horror Virgin, The Faculty, with Josh Hartnett. No way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah. I just assumed that Harper and Abby were supposed to be my age. They probably are. And Josh Hartnett was huge when I was a teenager. Yeah. He was like the heartthrob. Yeah. So I assumed that's why it was. But that makes sense. It is Cleo Duvall who did this, right? Faculty is so good. I know. But yeah, she was uh, she was in the faculty with him. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but we also get a picture of her old high school boyfriend, Connor, who has been in something else as like a douchey white guy. 
what we do in the shadows, the TV show. It took me this long to figure it out. I've been thinking about it all day. I think he's the guy who plays, his name is Jeff, uh, but she either calls him Gregor or Jisk. Yeah, his name is Jeff Suckler in that show. I just think it's funny that his last name is Suckler in a vampire show. We we never hear his last name. It's always Gregor or Jisk because she can't say Jeff. So... Uh, that's who her, her old high school boyfriend is. Um, and this prompts her mom, Harper's mom to ask Abby, do you have a boyfriend? And this is where I think they tried to play it as like, so gay, you can't pass as straight because people ask her about things. She gives these weird answers where she's just like, oh no, I actually just broke up with a milkman. (laughs) And then they just like pan away from her. And I'm just like, what? Like give her something better to say But I do feel like when we see Dan Levy At the end and the mom just assumes That that's the ex-boyfriend I mean I get it Dan Levy does come across like a milkman Honestly, Dan Levy is hot, and if he played for my team, I'd be down. So, no, like, I think, <laughs> listen, Dan Levy, I think he's hot. I think he's amazing. Yeah, you, same. you could have that, yeah. I think. Well, no, I mean, I'm sure he's got standards. Just because yeah. he's into guys doesn't mean he would slum it with a podcaster. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There's a reason that this is an audio medium. <laughs> the truth of your statement hurts the most page so they go to abby's room where her mom i I think this is the first time harper's like oh abby's not gonna just stay with me and she's like no i mean i wouldn't make two grown women share a bed not when we have extra rooms although it's jane's room but then they tell jane to go home but like where does jane live that's not there if she's constantly fixing everything around the house i have no idea where jane sleeps i got the impression that jane lived close by but not at this house right although i do really want to see like her dry erase board with like the outline of her book on it so much because that was like the most fascinating subplot that we don't (laughs) get too much of but she wrote like a dune level world novel and i'm on board to learn all about i feel like if we walked in her house it would just be like red string webs it's like the charlie meme from it's always sunny like yes yeah absolutely (laughs) and she's like and the glarks and the thora beast at the end of the movie when dan levy is like so invested in her telling him the story that he's like, oh, because of the trade restrictions, yes, I lost yes. my shit. And I was fully <laughs> crying because of the end of this movie. And I was laughing at and like laughing in tears. It was like watching a thunderstorm, but it's snowing. It was like two opposite <laughs> things, but it was hilarious. I mean, my favorite is they show her talking about her book to multiple people yeah. throughout this movie. And all of them are actively trying to get away from her. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just that like that thing of when somebody's just like talking your ear off. Like, oh, you mean like when I talk about the podcast of people I know in real life? There you go. I was going to say as comics, it's whenever one of our friends who can't write decides to write a pilot and comes and talks to us about it. And we're just like, eh. hey, Paige, as someone who's waiting for your notes, this is very hurtful. <laughs> I actually, I, I do have one person waiting for notes, but that, that script was actually really good. Of course it was. <laughs> wanga, wanga. Um, no, it actually, it's, it's the best one I've ever gotten, I would say, as far as something wow. that somebody wants me to give notes You're on. laying it on pretty thick there, Paige. I'm being accurate. So <laughs> they kind of get settled and rest up for dinner, and Harper's mom knocks and walks in on Abby, 
And this is where we get the exchange where she's like, I bet you're not used to privacy from the orphanage. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then Abby's <laughs> like, I was 19 when my parent died, parents died. So there was no orphanage. And then her mom just says, uh, one of the lucky ones. <laughs> what? Like, you're lucky that your parents died when you were over 18. Like, if anything, that's the least lucky because now you're like, you have no support system. Just like, gone. <laughs> well, okay, this is a weird debate to have, but do you think a smaller child would be unluckier to lose their parents? Let's really jump into the minutia of at what age it's the luckiest to lose your parents, guys. Well, because if you hit the right age, you become Batman. True. <laughs> uh, here's the other thing. I think it's always a bad time to lose your parents. Don't get me wrong. There we go. That's the answer we were looking for. Let's say that you're an infant and your parents die in a car crash. It's pretty likely that you're going to get adopted. And then you'll probably have another family. Yeah, because everyone wants a puppy. Yeah. And so, again, no good time to lose parents. But if you gotta, go for baby. So. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I yes. kind of like, you know, the, the orphan joke being like, done over and over and over again like it was so absurd to me that like that was the type of comedy that i was like this i get i'm like yeah, on that board for the absurdity of it yeah. but then there were certain things that i was like where like the mom had like a weird comment about like wanting the biracial children in a photo for a photo op yes, that i'm like yeah. i think they hate their grandchildren yeah i think they do that's why they keep pawning them off on everybody right they hate them and yet treat them like trophies which is disgusting sure is uh so they all go to dinner and her mom has invited connor like who's the ex-boyfriend just out of the blue like oh you guys should catch up uh -huh. and then again th whenever they introduce abby they go around telling everyone she's an orphan again but the funniest part is that she has to use a chair from a different table and it's so much lower than everybody yeah. else yeah yeah. yeah, nice detail. Very nice detail. <laughs> yeah. This is also the first time we hear about Jane's book. And it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's it well, it sounds like some sort of crazy fantasy epic. Yeah, awesome. But this is also where we yeah, we get the story about uh their house in Jackson Hole when Harper got chicken pox. And it turns out that it's really a story about her and Connor. Yeah. But Abby had never heard about Connor at all. So um, they go to the ladies' room and they kind of talk it out. They get some some chance to be alone, which is nice. And as they're coming out of the ladies' room, they run into Riley, who we find out is Harper's ex, played by Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where the other six evil exes are, but this one is here. <laughs> Sorry, Aubrey Plaza was also <laughs> in Scott Pilgrim. I got it. I, I, I got the joke. Thank you, one person. I will make you watch it, Todd. You guys talk about that movie so much. Because it's great. Yeah. Like Paige it is overhyping it. We need to le like level off the hype. True. That's yeah. true. We need to not mm -hmm. talk about it for a while. It's like, mm -hmm. um, all right. Yeah. I liked it. Great. So <laughs> we go back. We go back to the table where we find out that Riley's family is sitting like one table away. Yeah. Harper's parents are talking about her family. And basically like, oh, Riley's like a really, you know, accomplished doctor. And it's a good thing because that lifestyle choice basically implying that like the only reason she's worthy of love as their daughter because she's a lesbian is the fact that she's been an accomplished doctor, which just gives you an indication of how this family views love. And it's not loving people because they're a person and they're your family and you love them. It is transactional, which is really messed up. It is freaky. And but we do get to this is when we're introduced to Riley, 
And I really like that right away, Riley can tell. She immediately knows exactly what's happening, which is just comforting that like, we have another person that knows what's going on in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And she literally clocks them right out of the gate. Yeah. And and doesn't do anything about it. She just kind of registers the information. She was so cool as a cucumber when she like runs into her on the balcony and she's just kind of like, hey, yeah. bitch, I'm yeah. fucking hot and I've been in the <laughs> same boat, bitch. Like they kind of have yeah. this like Eskimo sister, like I see you situation. Mm-hmm. And I uh, liked it a lot yeah yeah no i liked it a lot too he's very smooth yeah here's the thing and i think the thing that i like most is she has all the information to ruin everyone's life immediately within the context of this movie she knows about what happened in high school she knows about what happened now she knows that connor was a fake she knows about abby and she doesn't do anything with it and she doesn't threaten to do anything with it She's just there. She's just like, I know you need to kind of live your life out. I have no ill intent. And I think that really helps us later when we find out what happened to her in high school because she has, I would say, all of the... None of us would feel bad if she wanted revenge Mm -hmm. because we would feel like it was justified. It really solidifies her as a truly good character and somebody that Abby should spend time with and that maybe is a better choice because she doesn't take that opportunity. She understands that this has to be Harper's journey. And while she doesn't want to be involved, she's going to let it play out. Riley is so clearly the only character in this movie who has, who, first of all, hero. She's the absolute yeah. hero of the movie. True. But second of all, we know from what happened and how she's acting now, she is the only character who has learned and grown yes. at all. Yes. And she has. <laughs> Absolutely through like what has happened has evolved into this like well-adjusted empathetic proud like queer person and who who's like been through it and is now mm-hmm. here a like a well-adjusted adult and yeah. that is the only one that we get and for her still just be like alone i'm like what's going on here it's okay for well-adjusted al- adults to be alone this is true <laughs> but, but also mikey you are not amongst that group yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm adjusted. I feel like, with the exception of Harper making Abby go back in the closet, like in Abby's hometown, if Abby had her druthers, she is an out and proud, actualized, mature adult. And I feel like that's why she and Riley end up getting along so well, is because they are operating from a place of understanding and maturity. Mm-hmm. and security in who they are mm-hmm. that Harper just doesn't have. And that's why they're a better match and they should be together, just saying. Here's why Riley is a superhero to me. She was not afforded the opportunity of when she got to choose that she was going to come out. Right. She was forced that by Mackenzie Davis's character, the, her freshman year of high school. Yeah. And for that, all she wants to make right on that situation is a handshake and they can bury the hatchet. That is an insane level of compassion that I don't think most people have within them. So she is by far the person I wished that Kristen Stewart ended up with in this movie. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the lesbian community has gone full Team Riley. I mean, making t-shirts start. I mean, it has really caught on all over TikTok, and we have really taken Riley under our wing as, like, 
our hero of the season. Awesome. But it is very fascinating that Harper is either shoving people out of the closet too early or shoving people in the closet way too late. It is such mm -hmm. a strange trait that she has throughout her whole life. Yeah. So we cut back to, or I mean, at dinner, she gets to talk to the parents a little bit. So she is good with their parents, but they still think she's the straight roommate. So it's a false relationship, I guess. We cut back to Harper's mom knocks on the door of Abby's room and then just comes in. Like doesn't like knock, knock open, <laughs> like doesn't allow her to say yes or no to say good night. And then Harper comes down to say good night to her. And her mom just kind of stands there waiting to like watch it happen. Yeah. And then she literally has to be like, mom, leave. And she's like, oh, girl talk. OK, but when you finish, I want to give you an early Christmas present. And Harper comes in and is like, so tonight wasn't the best, but you are really good with care with with my parents. I think they really like you. And she's like, as much as they like Connor, that guy that they just like invited out of nowhere. And she says, well, they don't even like me that much. So no worries. So she leaves and goes to bed. Abby calls John, who's Dan Levy. And we find out in this scene that he has not been feeding the fish, which will come into play later. <laughs> he forgot about the fish. Yeah. Uh, but she also gives him kind of this rundown of what's going on of basically Harper's not out. Her parents don't know we're together. I'm her straight roommate. And he says, have they ever met a lesbian? Which <laughs> agreed. <laughs> like if I met Kristen Stewart, right. I'd be like boyfriend. Okay. And she justifies this by saying it's not ideal, but it's what she needs right now, which is her justifying it to herself of like, I am a supportive girlfriend. I am helping this person that I am in a relationship with. It's just not reciprocated, which is so frustrating. Yeah, but she is being a good person here. She's being taken advantage of, really. Yeah. But that doesn't make her a bad person. I think she is, throughout the whole film, a great person. Yeah, I would agree. She wakes up to the twins standing over her the next morning. This is the first time we meet the twins. Um and she basically tells them that I'm Harper's friend. And they're like, this is our room. <laughs> and then we meet Allison Bree, who yes. is Sloane, the other sister, who basically drags everybody out of bed into the kitchen because they have been making Christmas cookies since 545 a.m. <laughs> That's my bitch right there. That's what <laughs> I'm going to do tomorrow. It's going to be so great. It's I'm super excited. I'm going to have to find people to give cookies to. Um, Paige, I am right here. Get me they cookies. When <laughs> she's like making those cookies at like 5 a.m. And then Harper, her sister just rolls in and just starts eating one of them. Like while they're still cooling. I was like out of my mind. I'm like, she just, <laughs> she just fucking made like, obviously they're made in dozens. Yeah. They're doing Royal icing too. Mm -mm, no, I can't live like that. But Mackenzie Davis is a sociopath. Like that, that felt very true to her character to me. I yeah, just showing up and ruining shit. And Taking what she cookies. wants, giving nothing back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is par for the course. Generally Look, being I can't the help worst. It. If I smell fresh baked cookies, <laughs> I'm going for it. I'm sorry. It's autopilot. <laughs> it's almost like sleepwalking. <laughs> I would have asked first because I'm not a monster like, what's her face? Harper. Harper, Harper. yeah. Uh, we cut to um, her dad comes in. And basically gives everyone hugs and then asks if they've read Harper's article. At which point in this, uh, I just have in my notes, everyone in this family is mildly nuts. Where it's just like everyone is their own level of crazy. 
Um, <laughs> they they kind of are pretty dismissive of Ab of Abby, where it's just like hug, 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 hi Abby, bye. Which again, because they're like, oh, she's just a friend, you know, or whatever. So they kind of cast her off a little bit. But I couldn't imagine how painful that would be if you were Abby and you're like, this is technically about to be my family. That's they, what's like it's it's so yeah. scary the like tiny very like spot on detailed parts of this movie that hit you right in the nuts of your heart the yeah. like the little things that are like the chair being too small and yeah. no one yeah. fucking did anything he hugged every single person in that room and except, except for her. her the like the mom being like if my earrings just found their way back like these tiny little microaggressions that we've all we've all felt like I know I'm the asshole here, but you're gonna let, make sure that I know that in a way that's like freakishly like mind game. Like yeah. they do that part. Like that's what is it's so hard when the things that ring the most true in this movie, the things that we can all fucking be like, I felt that I know that, or like even the best performance of this movie, which is Aubrey Plaza saying in the the bar what happened. All of those things are the things that like hurt me. <laughs> yeah. The most true mm -hmm. parts of the movie are the parts that are painful. And that is like hard when I'm like, I was here to just like laugh and have like a goofy gay movie. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, ouch, my feelings are hurt. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to watch the birdcage to recover from this. Oh, I love the birdcage so or much. Or Shrek, honestly. Or Shrek, yes. Yeah. So we cut to ice skating where, well, we find out that there's a huge event that night and the donor for his mayoral campaign is going to be there and they're going to try and get their family photo then we cut to ice skating uh this is also the first time we hear sloan describe what they do because abby asks her like oh i hear you guys make gift baskets and this is where she says it's a curated gift experience inside reclaimed wood vessels Gwyneth Paltrow put them in goop. Yeah, so they're successful. She's running a successful small business. Her husband is leaving her. Yeah, she's a bit on edge and sort of a bitch, but she's going through a lot, Paige! <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, but do you know who was also going through a lot is Abby, who doesn't skate, so she's got, like, the little reindeer to, like, push her through. <laughs> she really needs a win. Yeah, she really does. Um, but this is the first time that we really see the rivalry between Harper and Sloan. Oh, where yeah. they're like vying for top spot and Jane isn't even considered or involved. I honestly feel like that's because <laughs> Jane's not a sociopath. Well, yeah, thank goodness, because we get crazy reactions from Jane and we get to spend more time with Jane, who is yeah. my favorite. She's the best. But they're like racing around like a family ice rink and like mowing down families <laughs> and stuff and actively fighting <laughs> on the ice. We cut to later that night where they're trying to take the fancy Christmas photo and Abby takes it for them and does a thing that I hate because I'm not a selfie person. So I'm bad at it where somebody has you take like five pictures of something and then they're like bad. No, bad. No. And they're all fine. But they're just like, no, my arm fat. Well, if she would have held the iPad higher and angled it downward, I think she would have been fine. <laughs> you got to hit their cheekbones. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't want to hit him from underneath. And speaking as someone whose girlfriend has like a quite a large Instagram following, I take a lot of pictures of my girlfriend for her. I, I felt very seen in this scene. And at least half of them, she's aware he's taking the picture. <laughs> so they don't get the picture that night. They go to the event where we learn that her parents' names are Ted and Tipper. Yeah. Uh, I think Tipper is supposed to be like Tipper, Tipper Gore. Gore. Yep. And that the twins' names are Matilda and Magnus. 
Yeah. Oh, boy. There's a lot going. There's a lot to unpack there, and we frankly don't have the time. True. They also kind of split off into groups where her dad takes Harper with him to kind of be like the fancy daughter. Yeah. And he just kind of leaves Sloane in the dust. And Sloane is clearly super upset about it. Also, Jane is just single and ready to mingle. <laughs> Dude, I love <laughs> Jane in this scene. Because when Kristen Stewart's at the bar and that guy comes up to like talk to her and, and she's like, I'm not here to meet anybody. Jane slides in. I don't even think you see her take a step. It's just like a skirt. I'm here to meet people. <laughs> I'm here to meet people. <laughs> I love Jane so much. Look, I, I have a crush on Jane. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Yeah, she can get it. I, she's awesome. If, if a girl painted me a picture of a downtown in, with Christmas lights, I would be like on board. Yeah, for about three or four weeks. 100%. If we could just have a Jane movie and a uh, Dan Levy movie. Yes. The two of them together on a book tour. <laughs> yes. That's the next uh -huh. movie. Yes. Done. Listen, I'm pitching a sequel to this called Printing Season, and it's about after the release of her book, and it's Dan Lee and her on book tour. I think it's great. Get at me, Dan. We'll write it together. I love Perfect. that. I love it. Uh, we also find out that Riley is there because she's at all the family events, basically. Yeah. And we learned that the donor, like the big donor for the campaign is Anna Gasteyer. Yeah. Which I'm like, you've got funny people in this movie, and you're not letting them be funny. Like, Michelle Bateau yeah. gets one joke. Anna Gasteyer gets none. Like, what is happening? You cast so many comedians, and then none of them get to do anything, which is wild. But this is also where Sloane and Abby get to talk, and Sloane starts asking some pointed questions about their living situation, uh, and Abby tells her that they converted a pantry into an extra bedroom. You know those big pantries that they have in Pittsburgh? <laughs> we also find out that Anna Gasteyer basically is vetting the family. Yeah. And so she's like, I do my homework. I caught that guy whose son was exotic animal smuggling. You better hope you don't have anything to hide. And that kind of puts Harper on edge a little bit. We do get a shot of Abby and Riley kind of talking <laughs> And in the background, Jane is just dancing alone. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. We meet Abby's former high school friends, Kelly and Ashley, as well as Connor. And it's this kind of odd situation where she doesn't even really try to involve Abby. Like, Abby's just kind of yeah. there, but she's just around and, and keeps getting left behind in this party. And Connor pulls Harper aside and is basically like, hey, did you know I was coming to dinner? Uh... It seemed like a surprise. And she's like, yeah, it was a surprise. He's like, but I'd love to hang out again. And this is the point where she should have been like, I'm not interested. Like, I'm very flattered, but I'm not interested. But like, if you want to hang out as friends, sure. But like, you know, this is not right. going to happen. But she doesn't. She's just like, yeah, we okay, we should hang out. Like, she's just noncommittal. She's manipulating everybody around her. Then she's such a fucking people pleaser. She yeah. refuses right. Even when there's no benefit to her, they're not yeah. friends. They're not, she's not interested in him at all. There's no right. like, it's so strange to, it doesn't seem like, and we all know these people do exist, but it is tough right. when this is supposed to be the person that gets the girl. It's like, just refuses to let go of the approval of people who don't matter. Absolutely. Abby's phone rings and it's Dan Levy's character, John. Uh, and he's been tracking her and lets her know that the country club that they're at didn't let women have memberships until the early 2000s. I thought that was <laughs> awesome. So funny. Um, but this is where he says something that I'm like, 
this should be the thesis statement for this movie and the end ruins it because what he says is you deserve someone who will shout your love from the rooftops and i'm just like yes i I want that for everybody i want everybody to have that i understand that there are challenges and you know it might not be easy for that for for everyone to have that but i do feel like that is a great thing to have aspirationally of like find someone who loves you for you someone who is going to root for you and mm-hmm. publicly claim you, you yeah. and is proud to love you like that is what you should want what whoever that person is you know she basically is like, did you just call to make me feel bad? Because, like, I feel bad. Because uh, <laughs> mission accomplished. Yeah. No, actually, I'm just loving these fish. And if I had to buy a new one, where would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> did you guys also think, like, it wasn't even that Mackenzie Davis Harper wasn't just treating her, like, poorly for girlfriend standards. Yes. She was treating her poorly for, like, human being standards. Yes. If you're, yeah. Even if you're just bringing your friend who yep. is just your roommate to just like blatantly ignore them during a, a party where they don't know anyone. I'm like, so you're just like not a decent human, even closeted or not. Very strange. Yeah. Right. Because it's not like Abby's sitting there like super extroverted, like going out, being life of the party. Like, OK, my friend's fine. I can go talk to my people. Yeah. I mean, she abandons her three or four different times in the yeah. next couple minutes where I'm just like, what are you doing? We also established that Riley is outside and heard the phone call. Yeah. And she basically comes over and is like, hey, I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. I was just out here, but I can relate. Uh, Abby's kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. Relate to what? I totally know what you're talking about. Bye. <laughs> I know yeah. we both have the same blazer on right now, but clearly this is not what you think it is. <laughs> um, there are some scenes later in this movie where multiple people are wearing the same clothes in the same scene. And I will point it out. Oh, um, exciting. I think Audrey Pazzo looks like so gorgeous in this scene, too. She looks great. Yeah. Every, um, every scene. We get Victor Garber's speech, which is short and noncommittal. And Harper is like trying to hold Abby's hand. So she's almost making her walk this tightrope of like, you're not allowed to be who you are, except when I need attention. It's gross. It is toxic. She's a sociopath, Paige. It's bad. Super toxic. Super, super. Very like, it's very selfish. And she's living in a world where she makes or breaks all of the rules that she's designed and tells no one else what the rules are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. This is starting to remind me of my exes. (laughs) But then gets really pissed when they don't abide by the rules that she set up but did not explain. Right. It's terrible. It is terrible. And Sloane is starting to suspect something. So we cut back to the house after the event, and Abby is downstairs in her room, and she gets a sexy text from Harper. So she's trying to sneak up through the house, and she has to, like, sneak past doorways and stuff. She sneaks past Sloane, but then... Harper's mom comes downstairs, so she hides in a literal closet. <gasps> they put her back in the closet in this movie. Uh, oh, yeah. That's yeah. all got to be intentional. It is. Yes, Mikey. Yes, it is intentional. I'm, I'm putting yeah. it all together now. Welcome to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Mikey. Oh, I was going to say she triggers the Roomba on accident. I think it was an iRobot, but let's not split hair. Wow. I ro- First of all, I, I, I robot, robot the company that makes Roomba. That makes Roomba. Yeah. No shit. So eat okay. it, Todd. Eat right. that joke. So what you're saying is, Mikey, we were both right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank sure, you. Sure, thank sure, you, sure, sure, sure. Mikey's still <laughs> right from earlier about the rectangles. Uh, thank you. So thank you. 
<laughs> she explains. I mean, her, her the mom obviously hears the Roomba and, and opens the closet and she explains that she's been sleepwalking. And then her mom says, oh, yeah, I took too many Ambien one time and bought a racehorse online. <laughs> so she gets back down to her bedroom and Harper is waiting because she snuck down there and they end up kind of hooking up that night. But they fall asleep. <laughs> Paige, I'm so sorry. When you said that the mom said she once took Ambien and bought a racehorse online. Bought a racehorse online, I yes. googled the words, buy racehorse online, and yes. there is a website, racehorsetrader.com, and you can buy them. So expensive. I think it's more just to demonstrate like how crazy rich their family is that you could yeah. get take too many Ambien and buy a racehorse and just be like, it's a funny story. <laughs> Showing off their money. Yeah. That they can afford more than one Ambien. <laughs> <laughs> so now they've got a problem because Harper's still downstairs. The mom is knocking on the door and they had blocked the door. So Harper hides behind the door and they move the block and she basically is like, oh, I didn't want to sleepwalk again. Um, but through the crack of the open door and the wall, the twins can see Harper and they don't say anything yet. But... Now that things are changing about the party, mom is like down there getting supplies and finding the Game Boy and just won't leave. Finally, they leave so Harper can get away. But we go upstairs. We find out that Sloane's been making cookies all day and her husband's going to go talk to a local potpourri vendor who I think, as we find out later, he's cheating on her. I think he was yeah. just cheating on her. I yeah. don't think there's any potpourri vendor. <laughs> no. Is that a thing? Do potpourri vendors exist? They do. The first oh few God. years I worked at Solotop, we still carried <laughs> loose potpourri, which was the fucking worst. We just had like a giant bowl of potpourri and you would just scoop it into bags for people. If that was me and I worked there, I would have been only been doing the bit from Love Actually where Mr. Bean's putting the shit oh, into the just... gift bag. <laughs> That's all I would have been doing all day. You would have had to have fired me, Paige. <laughs> but the kids want to see Santa. The twins want to see yeah. Santa. I love this because the mom's like, this may be the last year they get to see Santa. And they're like, is Santa dying? Wait, are Wait. we dying? Yeah. <laughs> I think her mom met. I think this is a not very well constructed joke about the war on Christmas. Oh, I thought it was because they were aging out of believing in Christmas. That's what that's what I thought. Yeah, it could it could be that the joke <laughs> is unclear. Like I read their parents as as kind of pseudo Republican. And so I read it as like next year, they're not even going to let us have a Santa. It'll just be menorahs and orgies. <laughs> and like, but we don't get a clear joke. About Honestly, it. that sounds pretty great to me. So what ends up happening is because Sloan needs a white elephant gift. So does Abby. They have to go to the mall, so they take the twins. Immediately upon getting to the mall, Sloane dumps the twins with Abby. Yes. As they're looking through a pretty fancy store, one of the twins puts a necklace into Abby's bag. She sees the personal assistant from the night before in the store and tries to say hi. And it's bonkers how no one in this movie makes any effort to be nice or get to know her at all. And is just like... Everyone in this movie that encounters Abby cannot wait to stop talking to Abby. And it is bonkers. It's great. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's wild. Um, but so she goes to kind of walk out of the store and gets tackled because the sensor on the necklace goes off. So now she's stuck being like good cop, bad cop by mall security. She gets back to the house. Oh, wait. Can we talk about that scene, though? Because the good cop, bad cop, yeah. the mall security people are two of my favorite like bit part people. 
Do you recognize them? It's Lauren Lapkus. And then. Yeah, Lauren Lapkus. And he's in Veep. And forgive me for not knowing his name, but he is so funny in Veep. He, like, everyone's just shitting on him the whole time, and he's just, like, socially unaware. He's great. I can't remember his name. Oh, Timothy Simmons. Uh, yeah. He's so okay. great. I didn't know his name. I did recognize him, though. Honestly, swear to God, I think they're probably just, like, ad-libbing their lines. Like, the whole, like, oh, did it get yeah. legs? Oh, you know what? I didn't check it for legs. Maybe we should check it for legs. Like, I thought that shit was yeah. so just funny. I thought it was funny. I like them both a lot. Very funny. I also liked that they were like, there's no cruffins left in the break room. And I was like, is that a croissant muffin? Like, what's a cruffin? <laughs> Paige, I need you to make one and mail it to me. Okay, you can't really mail croissants well. They don't hold up. That just sounds to me like someone who doesn't want to try. Not with that attitude, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mikey. If Christopher can, Columbus had that attitude, he wouldn't have discovered America after all those other people did. He maybe wouldn't have killed a ton of people either, Mikey, so maybe that'd be good. <laughs> I honestly thought Mikey was going to say Home Alone would never have been made. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because Chris Columbus made it. He also made Gremlins. He's the better Chris Columbus, and he's the one I like to celebrate on that day. That works. Thank you. So uh, she gets home, and everyone's mad at her because they think that she's a shoplifter. And so now she doesn't get to go to dinner. And they basically are just now excluding her from family stuff because they don't want the stain of her being a shoplifter on them. Okay. Realistically, they should have just been like, we need you to leave since you committed shoplifting. Or like, so, like at least talked about it. Like, the whole thing is bizarre. Yeah, no one will hear her side of the story, and no one will talk about it. And I feel like if people had listened to her for, like, 10 seconds, we would have found out that the twins did it, and it was all a misunderstanding. But nobody stops to listen to her. So she goes and gets dinner by herself. And at this point in my notes, I just have, this is lonelier than the Christmas she could have had at home by herself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Literally. But she runs into Riley, Thank and God. She tells her basically that she needs the white elephant party gift and she doesn't know about it. And Riley does. And so she's going to help her out. We finally have some humanity. We finally have some humanity. And this is the most romantic part of the movie, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have chemistry. They're actually yeah. talking to each other. I feel like this is the only time I remember like Abby actually speaking and being listened to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And having her needs matter at all. Hello. At all. Yeah. I think and we have two queer people in one scene, finally, not over a phone call. We have four queer people in the next scene. Oh, yeah. In the very next one, we've got at least four. Um, but so she asks, like, is there any place I could drink? And Riley takes her to a drag bar, which I think for me was Riley being like, I know, I know, and I know you'll be more comfortable here. So let's just go here. <laughs> we don't have to worry about the straights and their boring bars. <laughs> uh, where we are treated to a drag show by Benda La Creme and Jinx Monsoon. I love both of them so much. But in this movie, their characters are named MK Ultra and Mistletoe. Wait, really? <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't realize they weren't just going by their regular name. I don't know. Well, because I had captions on. The first time it popped up of like, M-E-K Ultra <laughs> and then Miss L Toe and I was just like Those are such good names I, and he, I was like I understand Mistletoe that's a Christmas drag name M-K Ultra oh my like, God. why are we bringing that into this I love, love this scene I mean not when they force the two to, to sing, sing along because that was tough yeah. to yeah. watch because they didn't go for it or not go for it. There was like yeah. a half like, I'm going to sing along with this drag queen 
but I know I'm bad, but I'm uncomfortable. That was like yeah. hard. I'm like, yeah. just do it poorly, loudly, like we all fucking do. Um, but the <laughs> whole scene in this bar, it's like in Pittsburgh. And it reminded me of so many, like, Hage and I live in LA. Uh-huh. And the gay bars out here are all kind of like a scene. It's like a thing. You're at the yeah. Abbey. There's a ton of people. It's very, like, clubby. Mm-hmm. But in other cities, like where I'm from in Minnesota and like Pittsburgh, they have like dive gay bars and they are so beautiful having like a shitty little gay bar that is like small and they have like two dollar well drinks with like a small drag (laughs) show and I was like that brings me to a nice place this is where we get the conversation between Riley and Abby about what happened to Riley this story comes out of nowhere and punches you just in the gut yes like I think I'm with you. It's like they go out of their way to make Harper evil. Yes. Yeah. Like they did not yeah. need to include this story. They just been like, we had a weird breakup in high school. Instead of, instead of like, this person is the villain of my whole life. She Regina George's her like Regina George did to Janice Ian in Mean Girls, which we don't 100%. see in Mean Girls, but we hear about it. She legit explains what I think would be in another movie, like a super villain origin story. And she, yes. Abby handles it. And I, listen, I know it's been years since then. There's probably therapy involved and she's just grown as a human. But man, she handles this so well because she's describing like this horrific event. It ruined her life at the time. Yes. And it's like public humiliation and betrayal by the person that you're in love with in high school, which is like whenever you're in love in high school, it's times like a billion. Yes. Your hormones yeah. are like, help, you know, and it, it is, <laughs> I would say though, maybe the most well acted scene in the movie yeah mm-hmm. and the most like heart-wrenching obviously for what happened i mean she gets yeah. totally betrayed by the person that she was tr- very much trusting and in love with that's where i'm like this is clea duvall writing from like a very queer experience yeah and seeing it be unfolded and i'm like wow we're like really i feel like this is exposing you know a lot of maybe straight people who have not thought about the like closeted experience to this kind of world of like wow mm-hmm. that would be very tragic and it's yeah. uh, it's hard that it's like the person who does this like you know tragedy is our the person we're rooting for or yeah. you know it's supposed strange. to root, yeah I mean, she's yeah. half of the couple we're rooting for sure well and then you could just tell how well-adjusted riley is because she doesn't hold resentment or anger or anything like and she's ready to forgive her face to like she wants to forgive her face to face because and, and that's such a major concept that's so hard for people to understand uh across the spectrum of life like forgiveness is so hard for anyone about way tinier events mm-hmm. well and for those of you who haven't seen the movie essentially what we find out is that riley and harper were best friends all through childhood and when they get to high school they end up dating secretly and somebody finds them out And to save her own skin, Harper throws Riley under the bus and basically is like, I'm straight, she's gay, and she's obsessed with me. And it's so common of an experience, which I think is why it's so painful. It is. And this is this almost exact situation happened to me when I was in high school in love with my best friend. Oh my god. Had the same best friends, were had letters found in my locker, love letters. I mean, like, this is so common in our community. So then it's like, part of you is like, is this the story that has to be told? Is this the truest part that we can? Because then it's like, I feel like a lot of time, you know, queer stories are only really, they're, they're either very over-sexualized 
or it is like this tragedy. We see like queer people get beat up a lot in movies and killed and a a lot of tragedy with this. And I'm like, at least we're not getting, you know, beaten in this movie, but it is like, we're getting emotionally beat. Why do we have, it is tough to be like, oh, the worst part. I'm like, so now this is what we're uncovering. It's like, oh, it is tough. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the reasons that Schitt's Creek is like praise because it shows an aspect of just a queer couple falling in love without any of that tragedy or things of that nature, right? Yeah, I review movies weekly on my podcast and we do a lot of, there's like different bars and it's like if a couple can be out and the coming out process isn't a part of the movie we were like that's such a small percentage of the movies and that's when you get but this is where now there's this new uh phenomenon happening in the last like five ish years of movie and television where queer stories are a lot more frequent but they are almost specifically for straight people to be kind of educated so it is like right uh, it is the whole narrative of like, hopefully, you know, parents in the Midwest watch this movie and then they feel more comfortable with their daughter bringing home a, their girlfriend to Christmas or, you know, hopefully a dad somewhere in a, or like a kid struggling in Indiana thinks to himself, it wouldn't be so bad because this happened to Aubrey Plaza. And it is like, you know, we get queer stories kind of st- straight washed into a package Mm -hmm. that is like easily digestible for the straight middle America to be now more comfortable with queer people, but it's not necessarily for the queer people to consume because we, it is either tragedy for us or kind of tired. So Dolly Parton said it was okay. Not, not to go on like the super long tangent, but I sort of feel like that's what this movie is. Absolutely. Yeah. This movie is uh, a queer story packaged nicely for straight people to learn a lesson and feel good about themselves, which honestly it does. And that I'm just, this isn't movie isn't for lesbians, but it was, I, I, if you like this movie, I don't think you're wrong. And if you, this movie does serve a purpose. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think it could have been a lot funnier, but it does serve a very beautiful purpose. The only thing is, if we had a lot more lesbian stories and a lot more lesbian movies, then it would be like, perfect. There's this place for it. Here's like the veggie tail cookie cutter, you know, nice bow on it for middle America. (laughs) Here's the raunchy. They get like fucked in a bathroom and then they uh, laugh about it. And then here's the comedy. Here's the horror. But because (laughs) there's so few that the one movie that we get has to do all of it. And then therefore you kind of lose a lot of depth of the queer experience. Yeah. Gotcha. So I'm glad that you think it serves a purpose because I feel like until people are exposed to it, either on a personal level, because like, like Mikey had the experience of his brother coming out. And that's that's what I was just thinking of. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, my mom is still learning a lot and I think films and, art like this helps her i have a sister who's 10 years younger than me and she came out when she was in high school so i was in my like mid-ish 20s when she came out and i wasn't like anti-gay marriage or anything like that or i I didn't like hate gay people or anything 
I just didn't think about it. It was just was not a part of my life. And then her coming out, like I immediately overnight because that impacted my family and I'm just this white privileged idiot. I just immediately overnight was like, oh, that's something I need to care about now. Does that make sense? Right. And I feel like there I... are a lot of people who haven't and aren't going to have that experience just because they're not going to have that in their family. Right. And I feel like this can sort of open the door for that conversation or just like sort of internal dialogue that Mikey and I, I'm assuming you did, Mikey, sort of went through yeah. very quickly when our family members came out. It is like that's where these movies are important, not just for exposure for straight people to be like, oh, wow, they're making movies about a thing that could happen. So maybe I don't know anyone, but here are some people that now I'm seeing that like mm -hmm. this movie is very mainstream accessible. It's on Hulu. Yeah. A lot of straight. No, this isn't like a niche queer movie. This is a mainstream movie. Right? Yes. So this is like exposure, but also like, yes, good for straight people who don't know any gay people. But even like think about the, you know, the young closeted people, the like really young kids who now are seeing mainstream actors being in a queer storyline. So that it serves purposes for a lot of people, you know, straight people, young queer people, people who never met a gay person. There's like a lot of boxes that that's checking for showing on a mainstream platform a just people that are not straight which is huge yeah. but like a lot of times that i'm like so glad that it serves that purpose but it is so funny that it is like this lesbian movie so you know my parents are asking me what i think about it my friends are asking me <laughs> i'm assumed that i have to watch it and have like and i do it is my job to have an opinion on it but uh you know it is well and you're asked to be on podcasts about it Exactly. But it is the only thing that like we get, you know, so it is so hard when it's like, I don't want every single movie that is a lesbian mainstream movie to have to be this thing for so many people. Right. It, ha because it has to like do all of this work where if we had so many more, then it would be like, can I get just one that makes lesbians laugh? Can I get one that makes lesbians feel like that's how I fall in love? But instead it is kind of like, well, we don't see them fall in love. But now it has to, it is, it is like the same thing whenever you have like kind of minority groups getting a thing that is finally seen by the mainstream of the group, then it's hold to the standard of like, well, it has to fucking speak for now every lesbian experience and it right. is impossible to do. Yeah. yeah. I just wish that because it has this larger purpose of a movie, because of the budget, because of the cast, because of the platform, I really, really, really could have done without the needing to come out aspect of it. If it yeah. was just straight down the middle, it's a big ensemble, it's a big cast, the big budget, and a lesbian couple is meeting the parents and the guffuffles are like, the dad's so weird and like, you have to be on your A game and like, is she an orphan? Like those jokes all still play. If you take <laughs> out this like trauma of like needing to be closeted or there was just a way that I was like, that didn't need to be there. And we could have still had all of these great things about the movie. Yeah. I think compounded on that, I think it was marketed as more of that. Yeah, totally. It was marketed as a lesbian yeah. Christmas rom-com. Honestly, not enough Christmas, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I need a lot more Christmas in my Christmas rom-com. Uh, but... Yeah, we probably should get back into the movie. Sorry, <laughs> Back to the movie. Yeah. Uh, there's drag show. They're having a good time. They're having this great conversation. And essentially, Abby gets a text that Harper is now out of her family obligations and she and her friends are hanging out. So she goes to meet them and it's just a boring straight bar and she just immediately gets left behind. Yeah. Like, Not only is it a boring straight bar, it has the name Fratties. Yeah, it's Fratties. <laughs> 
but she just leaves her at the bar. Like she doesn't care if she's included. She doesn't care if she feels included. And it implies that she knows she's making her feel that way because she's like, you're having a terrible time. I know. Yeah. Well, and she's also flirting with Connor. Right. Like hand on his chest like they are. She's touching him. For no yeah. reason. No. Yeah. Uh, so Abby decides to go home. So she goes home and Harper tells her, you know, text me when you get home. She does. And we see on her phone that she's texted her three or four times with no response. Yeah. So much so that she is. She just texts. Good night. Just so infuriating. Yeah. That infuriates I me. I mean, are you kidding me? You can't text your girlfriend who is pretending to be straight for you and you stay out with your ex-boyfriend and you can't even say good night. I made it home. Unforgivable. You're a serpent. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even just like when she says I made it home, just like, hey, great. We're staying out a little bit later. Like that's all she needed was information. Yeah. And also... She is sort of leading Connor on, I think, in in this yeah. like outing. We don't really see that, but she is, to your point, Paige, flirting with Connor, and Connor is clearly hung up on her. And yep. if he knew the truth, I feel like he would be like, "Oh, that makes so much sense." He'd be fucking Ashley, the other girl. Yeah. Oh, who's way into him? Yeah. Super into him. But like, I just feel like she's being so unfair because, as Rachel has been saying, she is a serpent. Yeah, she's thank so you. Yes. Well, this is why Connor tries to make a move at the end of the night. Yeah, we cut back to the bar and they're kind of saying their goodbyes. And he asks her if there was somebody else when they were dating in high school, which we know because we know it was Riley. Oh, it wasn't Riley, though. Riley oh, happened her They would have broken year. up at that point. Yeah, you're right. And it, honestly, it may not have been somebody else. It was just that she's into women. Right. Like my senior prom date. <laughs> I honestly feel like <laughs> So we cut to the next day When Abby wakes up and realizes that She has a text from Harper From 2.12am Basically saying that she had just gotten home So she's been out most of the night Yeah, Abby goes to wake her up and is like I'm just making sure that you're okay Because you weren't answering me And Harper gets Real defensive and weird Just like you knew I was out Why are you suffocating me and it's like, because you've left her in a house with people she doesn't know, in a town she's unfamiliar with, and you're her only connection to any of it, and you just keep abandoning her. Like, of course she's going to keep tabs on you. You're the only person she knows. It's insanity. It's almost like she's acting like they're in a very bad fight. That, like, yeah. once again, the rules have changed, and yeah. no one knows why or what the rules are. But now, out of nowhere, she's like, God, get this bitch out of my house. It's like, you brought her here. Yeah. yeah. This is also where we get, she basically blames her. She's like, well, you agreed to come. Ugh. And this is where she's like, if I knew that this was what I was agreeing to, I wouldn't have come. And this is where she's like, well, maybe we need some space. And she's like, you need space. Great bye i'm out and she goes back downstairs to start packing meanwhile um harper's mom comes in and is like i've got errands for the party because there's like so many parties in this movie so abby goes downstairs she's packing she looks up the cost of an uber it's like a thousand dollars yeah conveniently john calls her back Dan Levy. And this, I actually really like his opening line of this conversation where he's like, hey, I'm sorry. I was judgmental and I should have been more open for you to share so that I can help because I'm your friend and I care about you. What's going on? And she just lays it out for him of like, I was arrested. <laughs> uh, Harbor maybe 
pretending to also be straight, but like taking it too far with Connor. Um, and I'm trying to leave, but the ride is like a thousand dollars. Do I stick it out or leave? And we cut to Dan Levy, who we reveal is buying fish that he has <laughs> clearly killed. I really connect with his character as a friend because usually when people come to me with like a problem, I like want to fix it. So I'm like, that's terrible. Get out of there. Just leave. And then like people right. get mad. And you have to like come back and be like, I may have not made that a great place. I know, you know, I just want to listen and I'll reflect your feelings. Like I, I will listen now and do it. And uh, I really, I just related to that a lot because if someone tells me a thing that's like really bad, I'll just be like, what the fuck are you thinking? You've got to get out now. <laughs> well, and he, to his credit, is like, I need to think about this. Yeah. <laughs> so he was trying hard not to do it again, but he couldn't do it. So he's like, I'm just going to disconnect from this phone call. Yeah. We then get Abby texting Riley because she still needs a white elephant gift because she hasn't basically she's basically not going to leave at this point. Harper this is the point in the movie where she should have went and had sex with Riley. Yeah. And we get Harper apologizing via text, but it's a half apology. And it's like, after we do the Christmas stuff, please be n nice for Christmas stuff. So she and Riley go out and get gifts. They're walking around and Harper sees her from one of the stores that she's out running errands at and freaks out. And I think it's just because it's like, oh, she's not I'm not controlling her, I think is what it was. Where it's like she is connected with somebody yeah. outside of my control and she's not just sitting at home waiting for me. I don't know what to do. And also Riley can give her something that Mackenzie Davis can't and that is a open, loving, publicly supportive relationship. And I yeah. feel like to Mackenzie Davis that's super threatening because that's what everybody wants. Yeah. And also she knows what happened in high school. Yeah. So she thinks she's going to tell her what what I did to that woman in high school, which is terrible. She's going to tell her how I destroyed her life. And imagine your current girlfriend just walking down the street with your ex-closeted girlfriend, you'd be like, "Oh, oh no." <laughs> yeah. We cut back to the house where uh Harper's mom's setting out cookies. This is where she basically implies that she thinks Abby stole her brooch. Um, and it's just like, well, if it just shows up, uh, I won't ask questions. She tries to explain what happened with the necklace at the mall. No one listens to her. This is where everyone starts bringing in their white elephant gifts and Jane brings in her painting, which is conservatively four feet by five feet. Like it's a massive painting and she's just like carrying it in and it's wrapped and they make her go fix the printer. And Harper kind of confronts her of like, oh, what'd you do today? get a white elephant gift in town how'd you get there like she's trying to get her to admit that she was out with riley she wants a fight yeah i've been in a relationship with someone like that yeah who when they feel they feel like they're starting to lose control they want to fight so then they can be the victim and turn it around on you it was very toxic and i'm so glad she cheated on me there you go <laughs> but this is also where we get another <laughs> introduction of the girls from the dad where he's like, this is Sloan. She was going to be partner, but she started a family. This is Harper, our powerhouse. And this is Jane. She has a way with routers. <laughs> like this man <laughs> has three awesome daughters. He has someone who started their own very successful, whatever business. That's not easy. That's awesome. He, she, it, they have um, a sociopath. Well, that one's not great, but then they have the daughter who's like an IT wizard and fantasy writer genius. Yeah. I hate this man. It's I it's wild. The twins have a song, which is unnecessary and pads out the runtime of this film. And sung poorly. <laughs> this is the time for to check your phone. It is. This next party 
is actually where we have three different people wearing the same dress in different colors. And I know this because I also own this dress in a color that is not featured in this film. Wow. So that means there are at least four different colors of this dress. Yeah, there's like five different colors of this dress, give or take. Uh, it's made by Vixen by Micheline Pitt in Burbank. And it looks great on everyone. This is where we get Jane trying to talk about her book to somebody who's actively trying to avoid her. And it is wild. Yeah. Riley and Abby are hanging out at the party because Harper is chatting up the donor who is also at the party. She's basically with her dad. She's abandoned Abby again. And then Connor shows up. She's then flirting with Connor again. And so this basically starts a real fight between them. Yeah. Essentially, she's telling Riley, like, I feel terrible. Like, I I feel like I don't know this person at all. And I was supposed right. to be proposing, you know. And Riley's like, I propose we get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Should have. laughs> uh, but Dan Levy shows up because yeah. he's been tracking her the whole time. And they play it off as if he's her ex-boyfriend that she mentioned <laughs> earlier in the movie here to get her back. And he has to pretend to be straight and after he finishes, he says, I nailed that. And she is fabulous. It was great. He's so, so funny. funny. I love this man. And he's there to rescue her. Yeah. So he's like, get your stuff. Let's go. And she literally turns to Harper and just says, Harper, it's over. I'm done. Which is the coldest breakup ever. I loved it. Deserved. And Harper yeah. doesn't even react. She just kind of like turns and is like, oh. I mean, I think she's sort of blindsided by it. And then she puts a drink down and follows after her. But like, yeah, she, yeah she's a serpent. Absolute so, serpent. Yeah, absolute <laughs> serpent. So they go. A Christmas serpent. A Christmas serpent. Mm. They go downstairs and they're going to literally fight it out at this point. Cage match in the bedroom. This is where she's like, you're hiding me. And she's like, I'm not hiding you. I'm hiding me. Which is a very real and sad thing to say, but also she's been treating her terribly this entire film. So, like, yeah. doesn't get a pass. Yeah, just because one is right does not mean the other is not horrible, right? Right. This is also where we get the first kind of thesis statement about love and their family, where it was a competition, and if you weren't you're on your A-game, your parents didn't care about you, which is fucked up. Like, she should go to therapy for that. But, like, that's not Abby's problem. <laughs> like, right. she should still also be actively working to be in a communicative, inclusive relationship with her girlfriend. And so it looks like they're going to make up after this fight, which I'm just like, no. But Sloane walks in on them. Yeah. We cut back to the party where Connor and Dan Levy are talking weights. <laughs> hey, Mikey, Mikey, how much do you bench? Oh, I, I, I bench a thousand pounds, thousand like like a little over a thousand. <laughs> it was yeah, a thousand is nuts. Like, yeah. is... well, and he's like, he doesn't say, "Do you lift?" He says, "Do you pump?" And he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> and then okay, so I think it cuts back to the girls fighting again, and then back to it, Dan Levy. Yeah, and he's feeling his he's muscles, feeling his yeah. arm. I love that so much. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's some good mass or whatever yeah. he says." <laughs> I think it's funny that when Dan Levy is trying to pass himself off, off as like a manly straight man, he says the exact same things I do when I'm trying to pass myself <laughs> off as a manly straight man. I mean, this is between you and your inner demons, Todd, but I think maybe you should ask some questions. They're not demons, baby. <laughs> Sexuality is a spectrum and I'm on it somewhere. This is true. <laughs> this is accurate. Uh, so we cut back down to where the girls are fighting and Sloan is 
fully going to use this to her advantage to try and gain favor with their dad. That's how toxic yeah. this family is. Yeah. So they run upstairs. They're basically fighting through the hallway. And as they do, they bump through a door revealing that her husband, Sloane's husband, is cheating with the personal assistant of the donor. And she says, no one is supposed to know yet, which means that she knows and is just like, we're waiting till after Christmas. And in my notes, I just have these people need fucking counseling <laughs> because like yeah. the whole family yeah. messed up. Because they're not verbally fighting in the hall. They're physically fighting. Yeah. And like th- hitting each other with like sticks and stuff. It's terrible. We cut back to the white elephant exchange where the donor has picked the painting and they <laughs> open it. And it's actually a really cool painting. It's so, so good. It's really pretty. I sobbed. Well, I'll I cry later with the painting, but I was yeah. like, oh my God, it's great. And then Dan Levy is just like, I love that. And then like straightens <laughs> back up. It's really funny. Um, so they fight their way into the party. Yeah. And Sloan is about to out her. And they're like literally throwing stuff at each other. And then Sloan outs her anyway. Yeah. And there's a beat where Harper has a choice as to what she's going to do, either own up to it or basically throw Abby under the bus and she throws Abby under the bus. She just denies it and is like, nope. This is heartbreaking and I just want to take a second to point out that this is shot beautifully. Whoever (laughs) set this up does a great job because Mackenzie Davis is looking at her parents and then Abby is right behind them at the door and then you can see how it crushes Abby and then she just walks out. She just walks out and the fight continues where Harper picks up the painting that Jane painted and breaks it over Sloane's head. And this is where Jane finally gets to stand up for herself. But this is where I cried over the painting because Jane is like, I spent time on that. A hundred hours. A hundred hours and it's good and it's worth something and I'm worth something and I'm tired of all of you treating me like I don't. And I love it. They then fight their way through the Christmas tree. Uh, The kids are hiding behind it. Abby is outside. John joins her outside and they go for a walk. And this is where we find out that like her her parents were Christmas people, which like it's a particular kind of person that is a Christmas person that does all the Christmas things. But they were. And after they died, she didn't really get to do it because it reminded her of them, which made me sob uncontrollably. (laughs) (laughs) then she basically is like, I thought coming here would be fun and it might help, but no. And I don't think she loves me as much as I thought she did. And then Dan Levy says something amazing where he's like, her not coming out is not an indication of feelings for you. It is a separate issue. Yeah. It's not a reflection of you. What's Mm -hmm. a reflection of her feelings for you is the fact that she didn't give you the opportunity to approach this from a place of communicative knowledge like you didn't know ahead of time she threw you under the bus that's a reason to break up with her but he basically is like not everyone can come out and come out safely and not everyone has the same coming out story and it's scary and that moment is challenging and she's not ready but that doesn't mean she won't be or that she doesn't love you it's a beautiful monologue he says in this scene this is where I started crying and I didn't stop until the end. Right. Well, and I love what Kristen Stewart says back where she just says, I want to be with someone who is ready. Yeah. Which is the flip side of you should be with somebody who wants to shout their love from the mountains. Like you, you should be with someone proud to be with you or who at least respects you enough to respect how this whole scenario would make you feel. 
and to not want to inflict that kind of pain on you. Yeah, like Riley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Riley and Harper talk and Harper apologizes to her. Anna Gasteyer, the donor, is like, I'll call you, bye. And this is where they get a lecture from their dad. And this is where Harper finally does come out where she's like, Sloan wasn't lying. I'm gay. I'm in love with Abby. I'm sorry I didn't tell you, but I was worried about jeopardizing your lives and I've let myself hurt people because I was scared of you and I still regret it and I can't do that to Abby. And I'm like, too late. You did it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what and that's what Abby says. That's what Kristen Stewart says. Yeah. And this is also where we find out that Sloan and Eric are getting a divorce. And Jane just says, I don't have any secrets, but I am an ally, which is one of my favorite lines in the movie. <laughs> I know. That's why Jane amazing. is the best character in this movie. <laughs> she's balls to the wall bonkers, and I love it. Abby decides that she's going to leave. And, and at this point, I have in my notes, I was like, did Harper come out to try and save things with Abby? Because if she did, it's too late. Like, she kind of deserves to be broken up with over this because she treated her horribly. I feel like this is the movie trying to redeem her character a little bit. Yeah, and maybe that's why it felt a bit off to me, because it just doesn't feel right. Well, and I think the movie thinks that the problem is that she wasn't out, but the problem is that she's treating Abby badly. Like, yeah. out, or, out or not, yes. she's treating Abby with disrespect in their relationship. That is the problem. So Abby leaves, and we see Victor Garber, the dad in his office, and the mom comes in and she just says, I've always wanted to try karate and I hate flowers. And I just have in my notes, same ho. <laughs> that sounds great. You do you. But then she basically is like, we created an environment where our daughters didn't feel like they could tell us what was going on. Yeah. And then she says, the only reason Jane turned out normal is because we gave up on her after she wouldn't stop biting in preschool. And I'm yeah. like... First of all, Jane ain't normal. Jane's not normal, but don't make her normal. She's perfect the way she is. <laughs> I think she's she more great. emotionally well-adjusted. I would yeah, say that. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we do get like a sister bonding moment in the living room, but then their mom comes out and just says, dad needs a little time, which is brutal. Cause I'm just like, you want him to immediately be like, of course it's our daughters. I care about them no yeah. matter what. And to, for him to be like, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I know that happens, but that's so rough. Yeah, that's every dad basically right. is right. like, I'm gonna need about five to six years to, to, <laughs> to get back. To, if it, it is like honestly, the mom is usually like, I think this is okay, and the dad's like, I'm gonna need a coffee. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there when my sister came out. The way I found out my sister came out was her dad, who was my ex stepfather, because my family's a nightmare situation of remarriages, called me and said to me, You need to tell your sister to not be gay. Ugh, so yeah. I can only imagine what my sister had to deal with, right? Because oh, yeah. she was still living in his house in high school. I just feel so bad for what my sister had to go through. So like some people don't take it well. Yeah. Dads are so tough. My mom was like, yes, I got a gay one. Like she was so happy about it. My mom could not have been the bigger mirror image of that. Right. My brother came out to me first and then my mom at the beach when we were on vacation. And he was like, mom, I'm almost 30 and I'm very fit. Clearly I'm gay. <laughs> well, I mean, I was basically like, you post a lot of pictures during Pride and your nipples are pierced. I have figured this out like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and then, but then, you know, we, and we had a great 
trip and it was a good experience. I think it was a good experience. I mean, he he seemed he he seems happier overall since since coming out. Thank God. And I'm really happy for him. But then he posted about coming out on Facebook at the airport to fly away. Now, here's the thing. He only came out to me and my mom, then posted about it on Facebook, and that's how all of our extended family found out and my dad and our dad. So it was pretty hilarious. I wish that I feel like when it comes to these coming out stories, there is I always I'm always like, I know these stories need to be told. And if we normalize mm -hmm. this process, then we can have more people have less of that. I need a minute right. time and more and cut to the accepted more yeah. quickly. But then I always wonder if straight people watching this or like the older generation of straight people watching this are thinking to themselves, wow. These parents are so good that they love their kids, even though they're so disgusting and bad for being uh, gay. Do you know what I mean? Because yes, kind of I the do. message is that they're like, aren't those parents so brave that even though they have like these horrible, like basically, you know, they're making it, it's as bad as a divorce. It's as bad as being an alcoholic. And mm -hmm. those parents are so brave that they love them, even though they're super gross and gay. And it's like, oof, that but is sometimes it, a takeaway. <laughs> Well, and I feel like that's what this part of the movie serves to do, where it's like, right. I'm going to need a minute is for the older people watching this who are like, what would I do? I need two to three minutes to think about it. And that's what happens. And those two to yeah. three minutes will stick with a gay person for a really long time in, yeah. into like their adulthood. Yeah, <laughs> I think my favorite part of my brother's coming out was when my mom would just ask a ton of follow up questions. And then Kevin was like, Michael, answer it. You're like a person who knows about stuff. And I was like, I can't answer your coming out questions. Because <laughs> my mom, of course, is like, what about Elaine? Aren't you weren't you guys together? And he's like, Michael, will you explain this? And I was like, <laughs> it's a spectrum. <laughs> Mikey, this is when you use that line you used on me last week where right. I can't speak your truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was it's a real bonding moment. Our family's been I would say close we're we've always been close, but closer since then. Uh so it's fun to talk about now. And it was fun to talk about then because it was hilarious because I was kind of drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so uh John, Dan Levy, and Kristen Stewart are driving away. They've stopped at a gas station, and Harper drives up because she's been tracking her like a fucking stalker. And she gives her this whole spe speech of like, I was terrible. I won't hurt you again. Give me another chance. And I'm just like, why? Like, we already know you've done this to one person before. You've been nothing yeah. but terrible to her. Why should I believe that this is going to be different other than the fact that I cannot take that ring back? And... <laughs> That's terrible. She then is just like, I don't care what my parents think. I only care about you. And I'm like, that's a nice thing to say. But we need to have some real conversations about how our interactions are going to work from here on out because of what I've just experienced this past week. Yeah. Um, but the movie doesn't think about that. And so they kiss and they're back together. And we cut to the next Christmas morning where everyone is there and happy except for dad who hasn't come down to Christmas that morning. The kids admit to putting the necklace in Abby's bag. Yeah. Dad comes down to Christmas and he admits that like the thing he was hiding is that he had sunk their entire savings into his campaign because he wanted them to be proud of him, which is like, that's a way bigger revelation that we, we should address. Uh, how are they going to afford the drunk racehorses? What's going to happen? <laughs> Wait, why are the racehorses drunk? <laughs> <laughs> then we get James 
my favorite line from Jane in the entire movie, which is, when I sell my book, I'll take care of all of us. Don't worry. And we've just heard <laughs> snippets of this book. So we're just like, the weird book? Like, what is she talking about? Oh, no. I knew that when she said that, that that was 100% going to happen. Because from what I heard of her book, it's going to be a banger. <laughs> so we get an <laughs> instrumental version of Oh, Holy Night, because it was probably in the public domain. And they finally take family <laughs> photos, but everyone gets to be in it. Well, except for Dan Levy. Except he's for Dan Levy. Actually not in the family. Yeah. True. We get a call from the donor and she's just like, got to keep that gay shit on the down low. And then he's like, I don't think we can be in business, but we don't see it. It's off camera. So we find out later that it didn't work out. Then one year later, we cut to the book comes out and they've got the ring. So they are getting married. So Dan Levy is, I assume, her publisher. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, I think I think he's like a. a a book agent, right? He's probably not her publisher, but he probably got her published. Yeah, a literary agent, most likely, yeah. is what he is. And then they all go to the movies all together. They go to see It's a Wonderful Life. Which I don't really like that movie. I love that movie, and we cannot... Mm. Oh, I'll fight you about that movie. Anyway, that's the movie. <laughs> Although, Paige, I'll say this. Natalie and I used to go see It's a Wonderful Life at the Old Franklin Theater here every Christmas Eve. We're not doing it this year for obvious reasons. Oh, my God. All two of them. That's one of our traditions, Mikey. We've done it I two can't. years. I, can't. I just yeah. can't. <laughs> so, okay. Having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, let's get some final thoughts. What do you guys think? I appreciate it. I'm glad people funneled money into a story that did not have heteronormative characters. I hope for better in the future. Yeah, I think that's fair. It served its purpose, but I think it was, if we could take out the like tragedy of it all, the moments that were just like, so it's really hard watching someone be closeted for that long. And yeah. it being this process, it was like surprisingly traumatic as a queer person. Yeah, but it does serve its purpose. And I mean, if it was, I think all of us, specifically the queer community, know that she should have ended up with Riley is the only way to save the movie, I think. Yeah. Because yeah, then Harper do. learns the lesson mm -hmm. that, like, you can't treat people like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Abby gets the love that she deserves from Riley. And then right. Riley gets justified by, like, fucking the girl that fucked her over. I mean, it is the perfect ending. Yeah. <laughs> If we rewrote that and reshot it and put it out there, then I think this movie would have been nice. A little funnier could have used some more diverse casting, but yeah. yeah. Other than that, I I don't know. I'd give it like out of five stars, probably two and a half, three maybe. I think that's fair. I think a better ending would be if you start at the moment where Sloane sees them sort of kissing, or that in that intimate moment, Sloane doesn't sell her out. Like we we see that Sloane actually is a like person that has a like developed character. I honestly don't need Riley, Kristen Stewart to end up together, but I don't think Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart should be together. Yeah. You could change that one year later thing and make mm -hmm. the whole movie much better by changing like that last 30 seconds. Absolutely. I am very firmly team Riley because I love Aubrey Plaza. And she's but I don't I don't this. think they need to be she together is. for that to for that to pay off for me. They could all just be friends. Yes. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza is great in this. And she's somebody who usually plays a really comedically forward role. And she's the straight man in this. And she's phenomenal in it. Where it makes me want to just like put her in everything. <laughs> like she's so good in it. But yeah, I, I hope for uh, 
better now that I feel like this did really well that that, that justifies, justifies us making, making a lot more yeah it I, like broke Hulu like it broke yeah. all these Hulu records because lesbians will show up <laughs> real, real I would like for my Christmas comedy I like a lot less depression yeah, yeah. And, and um, so I would like like a Christmas vacation where there's like the main characters are like, gay or lesbian and just have it and like no one that's not their defining characteristic. They're just trying to do a perfect Christmas and everything's going wrong. Yeah, and it's a comedy. That's that's what I want. Mm-hmm. That's what Agreed. I was expecting. <laughs> we were yeah. we were bait and switched a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so there are not a lot of fun facts for this movie. I was about to ask you if you had some fun facts for us, Paige. No, because it literally just came out. So unfortunately, yeah. not much. Well, Audrey Plaza tweeted that she thought that they should end up together as well. She's right. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like a pretty and pink thing where we'll get another version of this movie where they do end up together in like three to five years. I'd watch that. I would fucking watch the shit out of that. So just like you, Paige, I don't have a lot for box office. I do know the budget. Well, I, I know an unconfirmed budget, if you guys are interested in that. I am. The budget for this was $17 million, although I will say again, it was unconfirmed. But that makes sense to me. It's not a super small budget. It's not like a Hallmark budget. And it, the movie does have some big name people in it, and it's good. Are you guys ready for my favorite question? Are they still together? Oh, no, absolutely no, no. not. No, no. I, I would really, really, really like to hope that the next time they go back for Christmas, she hooks up with Riley again, and that's who she is. Yeah, there's no... That, types of, that type of relationship falls apart after two months. I also don't think they're together. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us do, which is why I think this movie is sad on some level. Like there, she just recommits at the end of this movie to a relationship that we all think, at least, is gonna fail. You, we've all been in a relationship where we're putting in a hundred percent, and the other person's giving you ten, and then they say one nice thing, and then you're like, okay, let's double down on it, and that can't sustain. Right? No, absolutely. All right, so Rachel. What do you want to plug? Tell us all your stuff. Where can we find you? Oh, okay. I uh, do a podcast called Two Dykes and a Mic, where we do queer movie reviews, it, like some kind of like what we did just now, yeah. uh, <laughs> and several other segments as well. So at T W O D Y K E S and a Mic, and uh, I'm also at Rachel Safety, and I have a uh, Two Dykes and a Mic special is out, and we also have a queer coloring book just in time for the holidays. Oh, fantastic. That's awesome. So, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and being our awesome lesbian correspondent. I live to be the gay for pay. I'm here anytime (laughs) you need a lesbian. I love it. You guys are the best. Paige, just nice to see your fucking face. I know. I miss you dearly. I miss you. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are fantastic. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yeah, I got one. Awesome. Well, while you're looking it over, let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast, and that is to simply leave us a five-star text review. A little text so Mikey has a little something fun to read, but leave us that five stars so we know you want us to read it. Mikey, who's the review from this week? This review's from S.G. Baron. Ooh. The Baron page. The Baron. And the title is, if you love movies, you'll love this pod, maybe. Agree. It's either pod or podcast. It's it's ellipses out, but it's fine. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they say this podcast is better than a lawyer owns a bakery in a small town and marries Santa kind of Hallmark movie. <laughs> That's a very specific type. <laughs> Todd Page and the other guy. Um, what's his name? Oh, oh yeah, Mikey. Mikey. 
I love y'all's chemistry. I came over from Horror Virgin, and I love it. Nice. I listen to a lot of movie-related podcasts, and y'all have very quickly climbed to the top of my must-listen podcast Hell list. Hell yeah. Keep it up, y'all. P.S. I love that y'all are from Tennessee, too. Salutations oh. from Memphis. Oh, nice. fun. I do love Memphis. Five stars. I've been to Memphis once. I played a bunch of shows on Beale Street in Memphis. I, I went once on a vacation, and as soon as we landed, I found out that one of my friends from high school died in a hiking accident, and then I cried for days until we went to Graceland. Well, this review got dark. Po- this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, SG Baron, for that awesome five-star review from a uh, you know fellow Tennessee listener. I appreciate that. So this week, we watched The Happiest Season. Mikey, what are you making us watch next week? Okay, do you want one that I really like, or do you want one of the most insane romantic movies I've ever seen? Insane. Always insane, Mikey. We will be watching another Robert Patterson flick. Yes. Wait, Patterson? Called Remember. Yeah, Patterson. Patterson. (laughs) You said it right. (laughs) One of those times, you said it right. Sure, 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 sure. sure. And that movie is Remember Me. I have heard about this movie, and I am excited. (laughs) Never seen this. I'm going to tell you something. I saw it in theaters and it has one of the most unique plot twists I've ever seen in my whole entire life. <laughs> I'm fucking stoked. Does it have wait. a night? Is time travel real? I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm not going to don't read anything about. Okay. Pro, both of you promise I won't, me. I won't. I will stay. Don't read anything about it. My brain will remain virginal. Don't Google it. Mikey, I've never learned how to read, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'm telling you, the less you know about this. When this thing, when when the things happen, you will you will understandably just be like, <laughs> I stood up in a theater and was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I swear to God, Mikey, if he walks from a little bit further from Colorado to Louisiana, I'll be very <laughs> upset if that's the twist. I am not going to tell you what happens. I, I will it's... not research it. I'm not going to look. I'm excited just to <laughs> let it wash over me. You know, I, it's not it's it's just it's just so unexpected and jarring i'm so excited that you guys get to experience it for the first time well your homework for next week is to get wine drunk buckle up your oh shit belts and watch remember me <laughs> i'm so excited about it <laughs> so um yeah guys if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast make sure to check out our other podcast the horror virgin and that is the only other podcast that mikey and i are on but Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts black card rehab and cult podcast so guys definitely check out those because they're amazing if you want to follow us on social we are at romancing the pod show yes yes on yes. Instagram, and we are at something else on Twitter. Who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's, it's, just, it's romancing just romancing pod, pod show, show because, because they have, they a, have character a character limit, limit and it's show s h o like Showtime. So, guys, uh, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph twenty four, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. That's going to be it for us, you guys. This has been Romancing the Pod. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Michael. And, and I'm Todd. <laughs> and you complete us. To completion. Toodle pit. You're my heroine. Later, babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Mikey. La, 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 la,